Everyone, welcome to the Ask Hulks podcast. Apologies if you've been eagerly waiting for us to kick off at 9.45 as advertised. Completely my fault. My laptop is installing all kinds of crazy updates. I had no understand. I had no, no idea what some of these updates meant. Um, but maybe these two more intelligent people I've got on with me uh, uh, may do. I've got Mice with me. I've got Aaron in. Hello, guys. Good evening. How are you? Should we talk about, should we talk about IT or should we just talk about football? Oh, yeah, no, let's get, well, I think we've got a lot to discuss on football. So let's, I mean, we can talk about IT, but I don't know how much we can help you with that, mate. And I've forgotten what the names of all those updates were now. I didn't write them okay. down, so I can't ask you. Yeah, so we better so maybe... get on with it before these viruses take over your computer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, like you said, there's so much to talk about. And, um, and I think that, like, although some of it is self-explanatory, like we as a group hadn't really, you know, come up with a very... Sp- kind of structured agenda for this session i don't think it'll necessarily be needed because some of it will just be um pretty sequential by nature but there is something that we hadn't talked about on an, on on any of our previous episodes which is man city's charges you know that that they had yeah. from the premier league um so maybe we can touch on that a little bit when we start the preview or when we do our little preview of the city game coming up but guys let's talk about the, the brentford game um again which we had the privilege of being at and like, I want to talk about the game, like I do, and I'm sure you guys do want to talk about the game as well. But it's so hard to get, you know, to to to, to not almost acknowledge straight away what's doing the rounds in the news at the moment, which is arguably arguably the biggest VAR controversy of the season, you, you'd probably have to say, um, whereby for Brentford's equaliser, so, you know, the game the games went in a very simple manner in terms of nil-nil at halftime, second half, Arsenal get a goal and then Brentford get an equaliser. That's basically how the game uh, panned out. But this equaliser, which we didn't really realise was controversial at all in the stadium, uh, although there was some kind of VAR check, has been deemed to be incredibly controversial in the sense that um, it, it it has been acknowledged by, seemingly acknowledged by the PGMO. They have actually acknowledged it, that... um, there was manual error involved and the VAR lines were not drawn up by Lee Mason, the referee who, uh, the VAR referee who, who, who also um, was the one who made the decision to rule out Martinelli's goal against Man United earlier on this season and arguably cost us that game. Um, this was manual error. He did not draw the lines. Therefore it did not pop up as offside. Let me pause there guys. Uh, am I fair in saying it's really difficult to really think about anything apart from this right now with, with regards to, to our game against Brentford, Aaron? Yeah, it's, it's a tr- I've gone from like one extreme to the other in that I'm not usually one that gets annoyed with referees. I'm always one that has been like, well, these things tend to even themselves out over the course of the season. Like you win some, you lose some. Like a lot of these decisions usually are interpretation. Like some people say it's a foul. Some people say it's not a foul. Some people say it's a penalty. Some people say it's not a penalty. But with this, and like you said, Raj, at the time we had no idea. Like we left that game thinking, not even worrying about the referee, not even thinking about the offside thinking, okay, well, they've looked at it. They've obviously checked it and it's not offside. And you know, usually you can't debate these things. But the fact is, is that this was offside, right? We've seen it now. 
it was offside and nine times out of ten any competent VAR gives that as offside now what happens after that whether it's a goal whether it's not a goal so whether it whether we go on to win whether we don't go on to win is somewhat immaterial but you just can't help feel really frustrated that the referee just didn't do his job and it's not like I have a lot of sympathy for referees on the pitch because things are moving quickly you're trying to keep up with play you're trying to do your job there's pressure from the crowd I have a lot of sympathy for the referee on the pitch for not giving that and the linesman's on the pitch for not giving that but what really frustrates me is that there are this referee just didn't do his job and I don't I I find it very tricky to come to terms with that I don't know what do you think Mice? I mean look let's let's call it how it is right it's it's basically just fucking bollocks to be honest isn't it like it really is like <laughs> is that you... the first time in 95 episodes that you've sworn <laughs> well, we're going to put a parental advisory on this podcast I think now. it's with reason well, it's not for kids is it no, <laughs> um, that's what I put on YouTube anyway when we upload it but yeah man like it's just honestly it's bollocks like how you know, there's this, this, you know, the 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 um, the fact that he forgot to draw the line. Like, this is what came out yesterday, last night. Sorry, after the game, but half ten, I think it was. And when you actually really think about what that means, you know, and a lot of people tweeted this. I think I tweeted something similar. You know, in any other profession, whatever your profession is, you forget to do something as basic as that there's some sort of consequence, right? And and look, maybe there will be some sort of consequence for him where he's taken off games for a period of time or he's demoted or whatever, but ultimately he'll be back, he'll be back you know, doing a, a massive Premier League game at some point fairly soon, I imagine, before the end of the season, which has probably be taken out of the limelight somewhat and, and back again, like I say, fairly soon. But I think when you think of the magnitude of or potential magnitude or potential impact of a decision like that. Well, it's not even a decision, is it? I don't know what you call it, just incompetence. It's it's just, like I say, it's just bollocks. There's no other word to describe it. And to forget to draw the line, like I don't believe that's really true because I'm not sure how you can, I don't know how it's possible to, I appreciate that that phase of play, there were a few different, like there were a number of things to look at or a few things to look at, right? Fair enough. So, I get that there's a lot to analyze. Um, but at the same time, again, that's your job. You're the guy in the hot seat. That's what you're being paid to do. You're an experienced official referee, whatever, you know, at, at a top level at the bare minimum. Oh, given, given that the decision, cause I can't like from the be sorry, being at the game, it felt like that VAR decision took a long time. And we always say the longer that they take to look at an incident, generally they, you know, there's there's obviously something to look at. It's not a straightforward decision. Um, and if he that spent is is so, sorry to interrupt. That that length is what they're saying now could have been the reason why he forgot to draw the the lines that that's, he had spent so much time. Uh, yeah, he had spent so much time looking at the interfering with play. It dragged on for so long that he basically kind of bottled it and and decided he had to just go back with a decision. I mean, sorry, my back to you. I, I, no, I mean, no, no, no worries. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, 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 to be honest, I can't comprehend how that's even possible at that level. It's, there's no, like, I don't know. It's yeah. It, it's like a player forgetting to, I don't know, 
like put on his boots before he goes to place. That's not even a very good, it's like, you know, it's the, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's any words to sort of describe how, not so much how I feel, but just like, if that does come to Costa, if that, if it comes down to a couple of points or a point or whatever, come the end of the season, whatever it might be, whatever our season's going to pan out to kind of become, you know, that is like, we're going to probably look back on that. And there's it, it nothing. And the most frustrating thing is, Arsenal as a club, us as fans, there's nothing we can do about it. Like nothing is going to change in terms of this. Well, it doesn't look like anything's going to change in terms of the standard of officiating, how they use VAR. Like they make changes to how they use VAR or the implementation of it, or they're trying to tweak it. I get it's a new technology, but this problem, the, the thing that happened yesterday or didn't happen yesterday is not, a, is not, it doesn't matter. It's just basically a, uh, basically an idiot couldn't do his job. That's basically how I look at it. And like you say, Raj, it wasn't the first time. The Man United, the, the incident at Old Trafford, you know, I mean, there's conspiracy theories going around. The fact that, you know, he's from Manchester. He's directly affected us, you know, one in a game against the Manchester team and now second time around this season in a title race where the, the two other Manchester clubs are involved as well. I don't know. Can you look past that as potentially being something there to look at? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think... It, it does it does start to look a little bit dodgy when he's quite literally so they they are literally saying he's forgotten to draw a line which is basically kind of all he had to do in that situation right look at look at the face mm. of play and 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 you know assess it and make a decision he hasn't even looked at it to make a decision and I just can't get my head around it well football and particularly I think refereeing it seems to operate in this bubble right which is so different to how other professions work, et cetera. Other professions, other industries do really care about optics, right? Optics are pretty important when you're thinking about public perception. So for example, having a referee who is from Manchester, who has, you know, who, who made the error against Man United, which cost us that game and does this, the optics are really poor because, you know, the first one against Man United, you could argue is, again, there's an element of subjectivity to it. But this there isn't. This is, you know, this is this is true incompetence. And like I think, you know, Aaron and like, you know, I think I could tell from the tone of your voice, you, you know, it's it's incompetence to the level where it's not it's it's almost inexcusable in that it's so hard to do. It's so hard. It, it it's like one of those things, you know, when you you, tell, you talk about strikers who who miss open goals where it's like it's hot it's harder to miss than it is to score. Yeah. It's 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 it sounds like it's the it's the equivalent of sort of pressing a button and a line comes up on the screen and you kind of have to move it a little bit and it becomes second nature. It's so hard not to do. It's so obvious that checking via checking for offsides is, is is what you need to do. It just looks really bad, you know, in the context of all that, right? In the context of the title race, in the context of where Lee Mason is from, in the context of actually, you know, I think he's had previous with Arsene Wenger and Arsenal before. What do you think about it all? Do you think there is any... Mai's talked about, you know, kind of conspiracy theories. I mean, what, what's your take on all of that? So, I don't... I don't... I find it very difficult to believe that these referees are biased or that they're... It might be, but I find it unlikely that they're biased or that, you know, they're from Manchester and all that stuff. Like, I don't pay too much attention to all that stuff. Like, yeah, the optics matter, but, the you know, the reality is, like, pretty much what 80% of the referees are from the Northwest or something, which again is, um, it's, it's, which is a problem in itself. Right. And you can probably look at that and you could probably ask questions, which is like, how has that happened? Where are, 
where are like where are the other referees like the premier league is the most diverse league in terms of you know cultures people ethnicities yet we have some middle-aged blokes from northwest who referee the biggest league in the world but i don't believe that that is that they're biased i just believe that there's a culture of them like the referees that are not good enough are being protected and that they are kind of free from any real consequences yes they might drop down to the you know, the championship for a week or two but they're back because there's no real you know the, the referees in the championship aren't really being regularly promoted you know lee mason Again, I don't like attacking individual referees because I think it's it's harsh because they do have a tricky job. But Lee Mason is you know, consistently not being good enough. You know, yes, he had that issue against when we played Man United. He had the one today, but he's had many, many issues in the past. He's been a referee that has been consistently criticised for not being good enough. There's that and, interview from Nuno Espirito Santo that's doing the rounds on Twitter. Yeah. It's, an, it's, a, it's an interview for a few years back where he basically post-match, he just goes, look, I really hate to do this. You know, you could almost see that how difficult it was for him to do, but he goes, I just have to say, Lee Mason is not fit to referee at this level. Like, call yeah. him out very specifically. He goes, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's so bad. He's awful. Yeah. And a lot, like, it's not just Lee Mason. There's a few, like, we all accept that referees, like, some of the the best referees make mistakes, but they don't consistently make howlers where they like genuinely get really, really basic things wrong. And this is like, this is the, the pinnacle of soccer, like football, like premier league football in the world, right? This, the premier league is the highest standard of football in the world. It's better than champions league. It's better than the world cup. Like, the standard is elite, yet we have these absolute numpties refereeing it. And I have no idea why the Premier League aren't. And that, like, there's a point now where it gets to the point where the Premier League should be concerned because they're, it's damaging the brand. Mm-hmm. Because you have mm-hmm. elite players, elite managers, some of the best fans all over the country. But you have these idiots refereeing the game who just don't make basic decisions. And it's not the fact that the era happened. It's the fact that there are very it's very very unlikely that there are going to be consequences and we'll be we'll be here in a year's time lee mason will get something else wrong it might not be it might in our favor the chances are he referees another arsenal game in a year's time and because he's so bad he'll do something in our favor and that's not good either he'll (laughs) get it wrong and i i think that's what the frustration is to give to play kind of like devil's advocate the fact that you know Howard Webb is now in charge, and it's not Mike Riley who has been—I think everyone agrees—has been really bad. It does seem like there's a bit of accountability. The fact that PGML, PGMOL have come out today and said, "Look, we got it wrong," is progress. I'll, I'll give them that. The fact that, like, usually three, four years ago, the referees would get things wrong, we would yeah, know but it, mate- but they'd never admit it. 
There's, but there's no there's no way that they can't come out because now it's now it's not a question of you know like when you go back a few years like you say it was the referees making probably fairly honest mistakes because they didn't see it or yeah. you know you watch it we can watch a replay Sky Sports show replays and you can see it from a fifty different angles and then you could be like oh it was obviously because you would never this disagree is, with this this decision. this is this is just this yeah. is different like there's no yeah. way that they can what what else can they do like they have to come out and say yeah we got it wrong especially because they got the the, the Palace Brighton one wrong yesterday as well, where apparently yeah. they drew the line against the wrong player. I think it was, um, you know, what else? Like, I don't think they basically, I think they've, they, they don't have another choice apart from coming out. No, I don't think they have a choice, so, but I think under Mike Riley, that probably wouldn't, this would, wouldn't have happened because he was even worse in protecting the referees. Um, but, at okay. least, yeah, like I'm saying it's a very small thing, but at least we have the accountability and that at least the referees have admitted that they've got it wrong. So that's, that's the first step. Now, the second step in any reasonable organization, especially at the elite level of sport, there has to be a consequence. Like, what is the consequence for Lee Mason? Like, if if the PGMOL came out and said, look, Lee Mason got it wrong, as a consequence, he won't referee another Premier League game this season, I think fans could come to terms with that. Like, yes, it's annoying the result, but I think it's a fact that we very rarely see these consequences happen that really annoys people because they just get it wrong and then we move on and they get it wrong again and they just keep screwing with results. At least if we know that he's now out of the scene and someone else has come in, people will be a little bit more supportive of that. But I don't know if that's going to happen. It's probably step one, isn't it? Accountability is one. And then you think, okay, well, if it's just accountability and if it's only that, then all that ends up happening is fine. You might get a message saying Lee Mason is now not going to referee a game again in the Premier League. And then... And and then he comes back next season. And I guess the bit that needs to come with the accountability is probably the opportunity for other refereeing talent to come and take that place, right? So you need you, you need to be able to refresh that pool and it, it needs to optically look like we're not going to just keep making the same mistakes. You're not going to have the same inept referees who are going to come back around. Yeah, all right, they might get suspended for a while, but come back around. I mean, I think, Mize, you know, you were talking about accountability and, and, and stuff and like, what does it matter? I mean, it, it, it's it's true. It's difficult, right? Because you now, as an Arsenal fan, you sort of think, well, like what, what you know, you can't, re- then you're not going to get retrospectively awarded points or anything like this. And yeah. and it's, it you know, it's all well and good, kind of the greater good, but careers, football and careers, managerial careers can hang on very, very small margins Arsenal winning the league, you know, could be so big for Arsenal, massive for Arsenal. We might not get a chance like this again for many years and it it could really come down to the margins. And I don't, I really don't buy this argument that people say, oh, there's so many different, there's so much time left in the season. There's so many things that are in your control in the season. Something like this isn't going to be the sole reason why Arsenal do or don't win the Premier League. That doesn't really make sense. Because although, yes, that's true, there's lots of things that can happen in the season, all the work that goes in, the, the the millions of pounds spent to build squads, the hours coaching, all of it, it is really about trying to get the edge. It's all about those fine, fine, fine margins. You're not spending loads and loads of like tens and tens of millions. You're not hiring the best coaches. You're not doing like, you know, I don't know, 50 hours of video analysis before a game because you think you're going to win the league by 50 points. You know, you do it because you think that's what it needs to take even that one point, that one extra point off your rival. That's what it takes. And to think about all that 
When in reality, on the flip side, on the other side, all you need is an inept referee to not draw a couple of lines to lose you two points. It, it's it's such an awful mismatch, <laughs> which I think that's what it feels so difficult to think, all right, well, great, you know, someone's going to get a slap on the wrist, someone's going to get suspended, but what the hell, like, you know, what's that going to do for us? And I, I don't have an answer to it, but I think that's why it feels so sour. I mean, from your perspective, my zone, what would, you know, is it is it quite simple, we just need to get over it, move on, or is, it, is there something that you would like to see happen that would make you feel better? Well, I mean, yeah. Now, now we, of course, yeah. We just, we just, we have to, we have to put it behind us. I mean, look. I think that the reason that there's obviously uproar about what happened yesterday, but I think the reason that it's probably been digested a bit quicker by the likes of probably Mikel Arteta is because Arsenal didn't didn't really play very well, and we probably didn't deserve the win, and the draw was a fair result. Um, it almost makes it a little bit easier to digest a result because we probably didn't deserve the win if, if, if that makes sense so but yeah look that's that's all Arsenal can do now look what what would I like to see happen I, I don't know mate like, what can you do you can't you know, like you say you can't replay the game you can't start adjusting points or doing anything like that so you're just relying on you're just relying on them getting it right and like to be honest if you go back to you know just not to like labor the point but when you or, or the conversation about VAR but when you go back to pre-VAR days which feels like a long time ago now, you know, those sorts of offside decisions were happening or obviously they, they had to be made um, on the field and linesmen were getting them wrong, but you'd almost, and it'd be so frustrating, right? Because we, you know, you'd come out of a game and we'd see it on Twitter, or we'd see it on Sky Sports, whatever, and it would be frustrating, but that was genuine human error. Like, do you know what I mean? It was, it was the, re- the linesman hasn't seen it. It was so tight. It's almost impossible to see. And that's why VAR was brought in. But when it's just not being applied properly, like it's, it's obviously not being applied properly now, or people are just not doing their jobs. And like you say, the impact of that um, could potentially be massive for Arsenal or, or, or other clubs where it's happening to them as well. You know, it's, it's just the application of VAR. That's the thing that needs to be improved. I think human error is human error on the field because the ref, the linesman, they can't see everything. But if you can't even apply, you know, if you've got all that time to look at the video replays and, you know, you can analyze it and do what you need to do and you're still just, yeah, not up, not up to the, the, the standard of doing that or, like I said, I can't explain it, then um, what do you do, mate? Yeah, yeah, Arsenal just have to move on now because take the point, move on. I know we're going to talk about City, but you know, the focus shifts very, very quickly, doesn't it for us? So it's all about Wednesday now. And, um, there's, what can you do? Yeah. You're going to have, you're going to have to almost use it as a bit of a, a motivation tool, really. Like we've obviously been a, a little bit affected by not affected, but as a club, as a team and as a club, you know, we've had a couple of fines come our way this season, probably not the first time, not obviously not the first time that we've been kind of um, negatively impacted by VAR. I think we've had a couple of VAR decisions go our way this season as well. So, you know, fair, fair enough. But the United one, the one at Old Trafford, the one yesterday, um, those ones like hurt and sting a bit. Um, we just have to use all of that as motivation, really going into the the final games or going into the next set of games to to just try and kind of almost come together as a team right come together as arsenal and um and 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 yeah and just we just ha- we're just going to have to try and make sure that like we're not one nil up and this sort of decision happens or this kind of um you know this dodginess happens as it were and we're you know we're two or three up and um we're putting the game to bed and 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 we're not affected agreed i mean so we so we do that should we move on is that we draw a line under the refereeing point and let's talk about the football maybe um like you said, mate, I mean, 
maybe it was in it may have been a different reaction from Arteta um, or, and Arsenal if we had played really well and this kind of decision had cost us. But we weren't great, were we? Like, because, you know, again, bear in mind, the three of us didn't know anything about this kind of the, the refereeing controversy. You know, we weren't really pleased with the performance. Um, I, look, there's no need to necessarily d- dissect every minute of it because um, it certainly would be pretty boring given I think the first half was pretty boring, but, but in a nutshell, what, what I mean, Aaron and going to you first, what didn't we do well that we should have done better? If that makes sense, what didn't really work? Ah, uh, that's, I think, I think we, what, yeah, especially these last two games and again, against Newcastle, when we play this low block, the team, the personnel that we put out really show that. Like, I think that when we play that kind of opposition, it really shows the limit, like where our squad is limited. Now, I think our squad has like come really far in the last few years, but the very few gaps that we have and the very few areas that we are feeling absences are really exposed when we play a deep defense and a low block. And I think... The, the two players I really kind of highlight are like Eddie and Ketia and probably Granite Xhaka as well, in the sense that those two players, I think A, haven't had good games in the last two games, but B, are really not suited to when you're playing a low block team where you're really going to struggle for like getting chances and getting possession in the box. And unfortunately, those two positions, we don't really have a good alternative. And I think, like we we definitely saw the gap between like Enketia and Jesus. And like, yes, Eddie has been doing a really, really good job. And I'm, oh, I hold my hands. I've never been a big fan of Eddie Enketia, and I've always thought he would, he struggles. And I've always questioned whether he'll be good enough in this squad. But pre these last two games. I think he's been very good. He, he's got goals. He's got goals that other strikers probably wouldn't have got. But in this game and the last game, I think we've really seen his limitation. And and again, like Jacka to a, like a, a lesser extent, I think we we probably needed something else in that position. And we tried it with Vieira, but Vieira came on and he was equally bad, if not worse. So I, I think... The problem is that we've got we haven't got much else to work with in those positions and we're doing our best we're trying to like make things work but when you know the plan a doesn't work the plan b right now isn't isn't really working either and that's it's just a bit disappointing Miles, would you agree is there anything to add to that i mean you know yes aaron makes a valid point about these systems that we played against recently um yeah, particularly Newcastle, Everton, and now um, Brentford, who all did it differently, but they still, you know, were kind of these versions of um, sort of low block, mid block kind of ver- variations of those, which effectively just make, basically end up meaning that they pack out very dangerous areas. Um, now, you know, these kind of strategies have happened since the beginning of the Premier League era when Arsenal, you know, would be playing against teams which were technically in inferior. I mean, is it, do you, do you think it is as, as 
as Aaron says, you know, is it a personnel issue? Is there anything more to it? I mean, what do you think? I'm I'm not sure it's necessarily a, a personnel issue in the sense that we we all of a sudden need to change. You know, if we're looking ahead to City, we need to you know change a couple of players for it for our for it to work or for um. Uh, yeah, like I think so. I mean, look, I think I, I I agree with what Aaron and said. I think part of the reason that we're struggling, in, in especially in those last few games that you highlighted, is two of our most like effective players, two of our most dangerous players that kind of cause havoc for the opposition opposition defense. Saka and Martinelli, they're especially Martinelli in the last few games. They've really been like nullified, and I think basically what what's probably happened is probably you know either over the world cup break or after our first half of the season teams have really worked out you know what's the most effective way to stop us stop us from playing doubling up on Saka is one of the most obvious things you know Newcastle did it Brentford did it um and I think a similar thing's happening to Martinelli as well where they're basically stopping that threat and and I think Aaron makes a really good point about you know that's when you kind of need a bit more from Xhaka. You need a bit more from Inketia. And, you know, I'm not criticizing either of those players because I think considering, you know, the revelation that Xhaka has been in his new position and Eddie's ultimately our second striker um, or backup striker, he's done a pretty good job as well. So I'm not criticizing them at all. But, you know, if you think that Jesus add, you know, you add Jesus into the mix or you put him in, if he, if he were fit yesterday and he were, if he was in the game, if he was playing, you know, he adds to that havoc. You know, he's another player that creates so many problems for opposition defenders just because of the positions he takes up. He drops deep, he goes left. Um, you know, he's he's not uh, he doesn't just sit in the box like Eddie does and try and make runs in, in and around the box. He does a lot more than that. And he's just a very unpredictable type player. So, like I say, he creates that havoc. And I think we're yesterday was a game where it was quite obvious that we missed that. Um, so I think it's potentially more of a tweak that we might need to look at. Like, obviously, I'm not like a I'm not I'm not a tactical expert so I'm sure that you know it's, it's if it if it's obvious to us um then I'm sure it's obvious to to, to Mikel Arteta and I'm sure he's looking at how do we tweak it um it might involve a change maybe because now that we've got a player like Trossard in the squad and obviously he came on and did you know did really well and he scored a goal and and Martinelli has maybe you could argue has not been in, in the best of form in the last few games it's that's potentially a change that we could make. And obviously Trossard offers something quite different to Martinelli. He's a very tricky player. He's comfortable on both feet. Um, you know, and he might just offer a different type of problem. But then I think the issue that we've got is we're going into the biggest game of the season. Do you take the risk of changing it one or two players? Or do you stick with the players that have, you know, the players in the system and the team that have basically got us to, you know, they've got us 51 points, you know, got us to the top of the league um, with an unreal start to the season. Um, And that's going to be the conundrum that Arteta's got. And like I say, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's looking at what the options are. Um, But like, I'm, it's one of those things like, I, it's a worry, it's a little bit of a worry, but I think if you kind of look on the positive side, I don't think like I feel like if we for example if we did scored a bit earlier yesterday I know that we didn't play very well Brentford were on top in the first half we probably deserved to go in at half time at least a goal down I would say but you know Arsenal are a team that are able to explode out of the blocks and they are a team that generally start games really well and if you know 
City or games going forward, if we can break the deadlock quite early on, then we are the team where Saka and Marcelli can potentially come come yep. alive. Where the teams have to kind of release from that low block or that deep block. So I'm not overly concerned. It's not like I'm because Raj, you were saying after the game, it's quite interesting actually because you were saying after the game, like posing the question to us as we were walking out of the ground. You know, maybe these players are just not as good as we think they are or thought they were because they haven't really been able to do it in the last couple of games when it it essentially it does really it really mattered you know you could probably take the loss and got the, the whole thing about yesterday was okay move past that there were loads of there was a lot of narrative around that game we lost that game fine it was a tough away game but Brentford at home is an absolute must win and we didn't we came out not winning the game I knew you were really really unhappy with the performance and you were like I say questioning you know are these players actually good enough to, you know, they're good enough to get to first place after halfway through the season, but mm. to, to stick around and, and see off a Man City that seems to be coming back, are we going to be able to do that? Yeah, I think um, what I've... What, today I spent some time kind of almost, you know, still getting, you know, still a bit depressed about the game, just thinking about kind of my feelings and processing. And, you know, when you go in social, through social media, there's been such a diverse reaction i feel like and there's lots of people telling people they can't get upset and there's lots of other people telling people that they should be upset um and i think what an important thing that's getting lost in all of this is our reaction and our expectations and our sorry our 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 feeling and our reaction in these games is completely based right on what we're actually aiming for and what we're setting our expectation as. So my reaction, for example, at the end of the game yesterday, and, and you know, when I'm, you know, even when I said that to you about kind of, you know, players not being good enough, that's in the context of being able to win the Premier League, right? It's not in the context of, of finishing in the top four. I mean, we should always, you know, it's always worth coming back to that and thinking that we should be incredibly proud of you know our team and I know we all are that goes without saying we we are incredibly proud of our, our team in in what they've achieved so far this season but it, you know it's purely that y- y- you almost have to also just do the situation justice and we are in a, a, a title race and we've got a chance of doing it and and we do believe in our players and part of my frustration yesterday was I thought our players could have done better I thought there was something about them which felt a little bit like a little bit like um they turned up and expected to win I, I, I felt there was a little bit of we're a good team, we're a drill team, we 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 know our identity, we go do our thing and we'll win. It, that's how it felt like a little bit to me, and um, and I felt the fans were nervous, but then also after we went a goal up, I thought we felt like we all believed that we'd won the game, the players won the game. So I was frustrated with all of that, but context does matter, I, I think. Right, it's still a case where there's hardly any other teams who are going to get four points off Brentford this season. And if we were just talking about Arsenal being in a top four race, I think that's a that's a good result, man. That's a that's a decent result. It's purely in the context of of of, of winning the league. And I think you know, I was kind of ref- when I when I was looking at that reference, I was I was thinking about teams like the Liverpool team who who won the league recently and and, and had been competing, and the fact that after you establish yourself as a decent side, teams are going to try and low block you all the time, like it's when they come to your end. But Liverpool always seem to find those solutions in those games because their players, their front three in particular, were just so, so good. So maybe what I'm trying to do a little bit here is I'm comparing ours to that to that front three. And if I think that's the standard, where are our guys? And it's unfair in many ways because our guys, Saka, Martinelli, Eddie, what what are all are all way better. 
than Manio, Manio, Mane, <laughs> Salah, and Firmino were at that age. They're all yeah. way better than them, yeah. right? Absolutely, like there's there's no doubt about it. They're better than them. So so in that in that way, it's harsh. But it's just it's just about that. And maybe, you know, that is worth kind of, you know, kind of contextualizing a little bit. But sure. I feel like we're in a title race, guys. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, um, yeah, Aaron, and I mean, do you, any any sort of any sort of additional thoughts from you? I, I think what, you know, one question I wanted to pose to you guys about the game was that it's a bit harsh, might sound a little bit harsh, but City's obviously massive. It's massive. And Arteta knows it's massive. It's massive for him for so many reasons as well, you know? And was there a chance that he just thought, well, look, I realistically, I've got, I've got Man City in a couple of days after this Brentford game. I can't just spend a couple of days uh, preparing for Man City. I'm going to need to spend like more hours preparing for that game. I can sacrifice a little bit on my team prep on Brentford. I can set us up in a way that I think they're all familiar with and do some basic stuff. I guess what I'm saying is, was there a little bit of sacrifice on focus for Brentford? Do you think, do you think that could have happened? Um, I don't think so. I think if that did happen, that's that's pretty inexcusable, in my opinion. Like, yes, maybe the players are thinking about Man City. Maybe, maybe the manager is thinking about Man City. But we had a week to prepare for this game. And three points are three points. And yes, three points against Man City would be great. But we really, really needed to win that game. And if we had come away with three points, especially after losing to Everton the mood going into that City game would have been really, really good, regardless of what City had done today. And I think, you know, I think unfortunately that's, you know, that it didn't happen and that that's a problem. But it go, to go back to what you said, Raj, I think you're right, we're comparing this team to a title-winning team. But I think if you look at the teams in this title race, this isn't the Liverpool and Man City where both teams get 94, 95 points, right? This is going to be... I think it'll probably take 90, 91 points to win the league. And because City are a level below and we, you know, whilst we're a team on the up, we're not, a, you know, we're not at the level of Liverpool and City. And that's what we compare them to, right? Because Liverpool and City, they won pretty much every single game mm-hmm. on the road to winning the league, right? The reality is this season, we are going to drop some points. City will drop some points. Man United will hopefully drop some points and whoever else is in this will also continue to drop points and take points off each other because everyone at like the teams are a lot more closer to each other. Like, yes, we're good. We're doing really well, but we're not that, that much better than Man United this season. We're, we're a little bit better, but you know, and those teams can just take points off each other. We'll go and we'll have tricky away games. Even Brentford, they're a good team and they take, they've taken points off city. They beat city at home. Right, so like for like, we're doing a little bit better than City have. Like you said, not many teams have taken four points off Brentford this season. So we're, you know, I think we, as Arsenal fans, psychologically, we would have loved to have just kept that that buffer in the title race all the way till the end. But the reality is we were always going to lose that buffer. And the reality is this title race is going to be a scrap probably till the very end. And with at least one team, maybe even two teams in the title race of Man United can can get some consistency. And you know, we're just going to have to buckle in because we're going to drop points. There are going to be games where 
we don't deserve to win and we can hopefully win. There are going to be games which we deserve to win and we might not win, but the same thing will happen to Man City. The same thing will happen to other teams. And look, <laughs> we're just going to have to hold on and, and hope. And, you know, I think mentally we're probably not cut out for it, right? But we're going to have to go through it. I think that's the thing. Just to, So, you, Raj, the question you asked, Aaron, and, you know, did any do you reckon any complacency might have snuck in? Is have we got one eye on on the city game? And quite potentially, yes, because that's that's the thing, like you say, Aaron. And these guys, this team hasn't done it before. This manager hasn't done it before. And that's the that's where you know the fact that Man City know you know yeah we've got Arsenal on at the week. We've got Arsenal in midweek, but we've got to go and beat Villa first, right? We've got to close the gap and go into the the Arsenal game on the back of a win and all the rest of it. Like Pep knows that these players know that, and I think. I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened against Brentford, but you wouldn't be surprised if you know they are they are looking ahead to the City game slightly too early, and yeah. and I think that can happen with just with, with that kind of lack of lack of experience in in this situation. And this is now coming into that crunch period, isn't it? Right, where you can't afford to drop points. Basically, um, you've got to be the most consistent team, and this is where City will City generally uh, you know have come good. I think they have come good every season, even the season they didn't win the league. You know, they they you know Liverpool just un, even better. Than them so that's the concern isn't it that's the concern and um yeah i mean yeah let's see what happens so let's talk about let's talk about city guys so um just just before we get into the, the football just again just to recap on what's been happening off the pitch because you know i want to ask you guys whether you think this could affect them on the pitches you know city are facing a, a pretty big off the field issue the premier league have issued them with 115 charges um, based off a four-year investigation um, that looks at a nine-year period, um, I, I think 2009 to 2018, I think, is the period that it looks at. Um, these charges, 115 charges, is a, is a lot. Uh, from my understanding, they basically break down into four four segments. About half those charges relates to kind of the valuation of some of their sponsorship deals, hidden charges, etc so it's effectively the premier league saying these numbers don't add up mate um the second kind of stack is around roberto mancini and and these seemingly a second a second contract that he had um outside of his managerial contract with man city a second consulting contract which was for four days a a four days a year work he was getting a, a you know suspiciously high amount of money um from abu dhabi um, the third, I think, relates weirdly to their uh, their UEFA registration and, and something about the information that they're supposed to provide um, to UEFA. This somehow has some connection um, with kind of the Premier League as well. And the fourth is arguably the kind of most interesting one, which is the, the fourth bunch of charges are around failure to comply with the investigation. Um, and those charges actually kind of then what that means is that those charges actually apply to the period outside of 2018 so it's out of 2018 to now because it's basically during this period of investigation so a real like chunk of charges i think the real interesting thing that a lot of kind of analysts have pointed out that's worth recognizing is the reason why this is that there could be some like fairly grave ramifications is that this isn't a case where they're looking at 115 charges that relate to breaching FFP. These are all basically fraud related. So it, you, you argue that the reason why they're committing this kind of fraud is because of FFP. But whatever the case, it's not because they're looking at the statement saying that breaches FFP. They're basically saying 
you're running your football club fraudulently and here's 115 charges against it. Um, now a lot, this, you know, this is, this is kind of, this all came out maybe about just uh, under a week ago, I think. And so there's been a lot of time that, you know, and a lot of coverage that has already happened in the media. So I don't think we need to necessarily go over it too much, but guys, like, I, I mean, might as well come to you first. What do you think about it all? Um, just generally, not ignore what it means for our game, but what do you think about it all? Yeah, I mean, it came out of nowhere, didn't it? Um, came out of nowhere, and I mean, unprecedented. I think, like, uh, like you say, the scale of the charges, the number of charges, the fact that it took four years for them to complete the investigation um, is is unprecedented. Um, I think, I think, you know. <laughs> I don't know what happens from now in terms of the fact that they've been charged and now obviously a decision has to be made, what that process involves and how City are going to challenge it or if they can challenge it and all of that. I don't don't know how that's all going to work and how long that's going to take. And potentially, you know, we might not see the outcome of this for months, if not longer. Who knows, right? But I think, you know, for the sake of... It's it's easy, like, I was going to say, for the sake of kind of football... (laughs) Um, it's important that if assuming all of this is true um, and the charges are true and city have, you know, are in the wrong, they've, you know, they've, they've done, there's been some wrongdoing. The Premier League needs to come down on city hard because we're seeing it. We're not seeing it, but you know, with how Newcastle were purchased and what's going on with Newcastle, Chelsea, similarly, you know, there's potentially um, like this, this problem that has have been uncovered could just get a lot, lot worse with the way the ownership is basically moving or has moved in the last kind of 10 or 20 years in this country. So just, I'm hoping that, you know, this isn't one of those things, kind of like what happened when they got charged by UEFA and they found, I can't remember exactly what happened, but they seem to find a way out of it because of the time that it took or whatever. Um, they got a, they got a monetary fine of I think 10 million pounds or 10 million euros. And, and that was it. And that's actually nothing. That, that's, that's not even a punishment. So, you know, everyone's talking about potential relegation, you know, them losing their titles, points deduction, all of that stuff. Like whatever the the penalty is, I hope that it is severe, um, severe and and severe to the to the right level, if that makes sense. And, and whatever that level is, I'm not sure. But I mean, I think from from a kind of football perspective, in terms of like how it might affect Man City this season, anyway, in the like you know for the rest of the season. Like you can already kind of see it with Pep where he's creating this, like if you listen to some of his comments in, in his press conferences, you know, he's creating a, a an us against them mentality. Mm, real like, chest out kind of press yeah, conference yeah, like the other day. Didn't yeah. So, I mean, I think he's in a pretty good position because, you know, like if it's, if it's true, he can just say, look, I didn't know about it. You know, I backed, I backed my team as it were, like, you know, that's, that's the camp I'm in mm. and it kind of, wash his hands of any kind of responsibility, assuming he's not, not been involved. Um, so he's doing what he's probably, you know, you would want him to do if you're, if you're Man City or if you're associated with the Man City. Um, and I don't think Pep's the kind of guy that's just going to do what the owners tell him to do, if you know what I mean. Like, I think he's got, a, yeah. I'm not saying he's necessarily got more integrity because I don't, I don't, we don't know, right? Football's football and people in football are, you know, who knows. But um, I, yeah, I think he's creating this, yeah, us against them mentality and, um, I think he's. I think in terms of how it might affect City on the pitch and the players, I think that's what he's going to be telling them. I think he's going to be. He's going to be saying to them, "Look, you know, 
this is this may be hanging over the club in terms of whatever's going to happen but ultimately let's go and show them on the pitch why you guys are the best players in the league why why you're at this club why you've won x number of league titles in the last few years let's go and do it again kind of thing and and ev- all the all of the comments that he's making publicly you know the comment about Steven Gerrard slipping yesterday or that <laughs> what why you know like it's funny but you know you can kind of see what he's trying to do you know um the comments about the fans and like he's trying to get the fans like there's in sorry the fans at the Etihad the Man City fans he's trying to get them kind of getting behind the team a bit more um and he's defending his club he's defending his club he's defending his position he's defending you know who he's going to be loyal to um and I think to be honest if anything it's probably it's it's not I I can't see it affecting their performances on the pitch personally if anything I think it's going to have the opposite impact where it's just going to rally them and it's going to bring them together even more like you can see what happened with Cancelo as well right like there's a few things that seem to be happening whatever happened with Cancelo we don't know but it kind of obviously something happened for, for him to leave so suddenly um considering he's been probably the best fullback in the league for the last couple of years or one of um and 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 you can just sort of see that I don't know like he's just trying to get he's trying to get a reaction out of the fans he's and and, and I think he's probably telling the team like like I said before, you know, let's just let's just go and win this title basically and kind of shut everyone up. Even though that's not necessarily what's going to happen, I think that's what he's going to be telling them. And and that's my worry, to be honest. Like they've gone and won today off the back of what happened in the week in terms of the charges coming out or the news about the charges coming out. And um they're just going to be so, so, so up for Wednesday. Um, yeah. It's a bit concerning. Aaron, you know, you you are a, you're a man for justice. You know, you, you 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 love you love a little bit of justice. I so do. I mean, um, <laughs> on the, you know, on, on that basis, are the Premier League under pressure to to come out of this looking like they have really laid down the law? 115 charges to me is a very calculated thing in terms of volume. Um, I'm not saying the figure specifically is a, a thing, but I think to come at some to to come at them with so many it says to me that they're basically trying to say well look we're going to get you with something and you know let's just say even if you fight half of these charges you're still going to have 50 that you know that 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 you have to face what is what do you think could come out of this that would give the premier league the credibility that they need look like they are governing the premier league amidst this backdrop of calls for an independent regulator etc yeah so there is that there is the the backdrop of these calls for an independent regulator and the Premier League probably need to show that they can regulate themselves. But the interesting thing is the Premier we say the Premier League, but what the Premier League is the 20 clubs, right? So this is the, the clubs of the Premier League effectively going to war against Man City, but also Abu Dhabi as a, as a nation, because that is what, that is what Man City is, right? It's a sport washing project to show Abu Dhabi and their owners in a good light. And, you know, I think it would have taken, the Premier League took their time with this. They took, what, four and a half years. And they've gone in with like so many charges. And like you said, Raj, it's the fact that A, they've probably breached FFP. They've breached it by lying. And they've not only breached it by lying, but they've made the investigation into this process, like they did with UEFA, really, really hard and painful. And I think 
listening to a few like other podcasts about this topic and reading a few articles, that is the 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 thing that the Premier League are really annoyed about because I think they did very similar with UEFA because, like you said, Mice, the only reason they got away with it with UEFA is because they they basically longed it out for so long that it became too late to bring around charges. And you can't do that with the Premier League, but it just seems like they've tried and tried to like make it really difficult. They basically tried to cover up their cheating. And I think that's what's really annoyed the Premier League and their other and the other clubs. And, you know, the Premier League have kind of gone out now and said, look, there's 135 charges or whatever it is. I think if the Premier League don't come away with a win that is satisfactory, it really calls into question like the governance of the Premier League. Yeah, because exactly. I don't think like it's effectively the future. Like if City get away with this, given the scale of like the number of charges, if they get away completely or with a little fine that they can obviously just pay, I think the credibility of the league just gets completely shot and the credibility of the Premier League and their ability to just control finances just they look like a joke really weak so it's going to be super interesting how they resolve this in this independent commission and all that so I I don't know what happens everything I've listened to has said it could take at least until the summer at the earliest probably a lot longer if City continue to just try and make this as difficult as possible um, but the fact is that they've, I think they've completely cheated the books. They've cheated their way to many, many titles and many, many, um, many successes. And you can look about what if, but the question is, what is the Premier League going to do now? And, you know, I think there was a bit of talk earlier on about like, would they do a points deduction now? I don't think they will because I think the Premier League want a title race and they don't want to ruin the a title race this season. Yeah. But I think going into next season, you know, if I was going to guess, I reckon City probably start next season potentially with a points deduction, um, or or maybe even worse because it seems like the right time to do this is during the summer, once you have a a bit of a restart. Yeah, because you if you're gonna if you're gonna relegate a team, you 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 can't relegate them mid season, right? So like, I, yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you. I think like you know it'll either be this summer, if not this summer, then we've got to wait for a whole another year or or or, or whatever. Um, I mean, it, it's it's sort of to your, to your point. If nothing significant comes out of this, well, the Premier League might as well just deregulate. Yeah, because what incentive do another club have to follow all the rules? And that's what the other clubs will say, right? The other clubs yeah. say, like, why, why, why the hell, why the hell should we do this? And and the interesting thing is, right? Like, you look at the what is the Premier League? The Premier League is twenty clubs. I think I read that like eleven or twelve of them are American owned now, mm. and you have essentially this American block of clubs that you know, I don't know if they all vote together or they collude with each other, but there's probably an element of like similar interests from these American owners, yeah. and those are, those interests are probably not aligned with what I want either, but. You know, they're facing this state ownership from Qatar, uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, Saudi Arabia. And they they probably want that to be like put in check because if it doesn't happen with Man City, what's to stop Newcastle doing it? If Man United get bought by Qatar, what's to stop them doing it? And if you then have 
effectively like unlimited finances and unlimited and no regulation you know eventually the premier league just becomes like a glorified bundesliga with one person just just winning because they have the most money i don't think the premier league want that as a competition the premier league is good because historically before man city came into this there was competition right and let's be honest if it wasn't for Jurgen Klopp and him putting together an unbelievable Liverpool side over the last three or four years, Man City would have won about the last five or six leagues in a row. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they've won mo- most. Yeah. yeah, and what's how is that? Yeah, we joke about the French league, we joke about the Bundesliga, but are we? You know, effectively, we're just going to become a glorified Bundesliga. I don't think the Premier League want that. So, um, so yeah, I think. I think it's it's going to be very very interesting what happens where this is coming from how it resolves itself because City will obviously you know, the, the ridiculous thing I saw today as well like you know so the um, obviously City have got this top lawyer who they defended themselves against uh, UEFA this guy called Panic or Panic and but I um, think it's literally Lord yeah, Panic yeah Lord Panic <laughs> and the City fans had a banner out today yeah, yeah for this yeah. like how. Uh, it's just pathetic, isn't it? Like, how... do, do you know what was like similarly funny though? Like, I know it's quite, it's quite. It's like loads of Arsenal Twitter, yeah, uh, had hadn't realised that the lawyer's name is Lord Panic. So this whole board, like, they've got that banner saying, you know, Panic in the streets of London, yeah. and and all these Arsenal fans, like some big accounts as well, were like tweeting, going, "Ah, oh, like what idiots! They can't even spell Panic right." Yeah, yeah, and, and like, oh, guys. <laughs> yeah. But just the nice. concept, how <laughs> how ridiculous do you have to be to unba- to make a banner for a lawyer that is defending? <laughs> yeah, but, I, mean, I think I think they're basically that it's just a complete piss take on their behalf, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not no, a serious banner. Yeah, I think. Is it? The reactions are people like you. They, they play yeah, the song. The working, stadium, fine, the stadium has to play the song. Well. Panic on the streets of London yeah. at the end of the game. It's yeah. just unashamedly like. They're like, you know, we're just going to spend money. We don't care. Yeah, I think and because it. we know we'll get away with it. We got away with it, UEFA, because we found a technicality and the UEFA lawyers are rubbish. And look, who, what's to say that the Premier League won't let them get away with it? Because the reality is apparently this guy, this panic guy charges £5,000 an hour or something. Mm. Um, so what's to say they won't get away with it again? And Pep, with all his nonsense, like, like Pep is great. I love the guy. I'll come off it like all this stuff about like oh i check with my people they say we're good i'm gonna leave and if we're not you know if we we're in trouble we're gonna accept the punishment what what it's else all can nonsense. you say what else can you say like what else would he say? it doesn't need to say it should just say like i think look it's a good say you should just say look the premier league should investigate we'll leave it to lawyers and i'll deal with it when it comes to it like yeah but i think to my uh, point yeah, right, probably like, pressure um, like, from yeah yeah that's what like on you know bt's but i didn't watch the um I didn't watch the game yesterday that was on BT Sport. Or was it basically Gianfranco Zola, um, you know, yeah, it was before the game yesterday, Chelsea West Ham. You know, they asked him what he thought about Pep's comments in the bit. And and he was basically just saying, look, as a player, that's exactly what I would have wanted to hear. Because he was basically saying, look, as a player, you you don't really want to think about these sorts of things. You don't really want to know about it. But at the end of the day, like, given there's so much noise, there probably is something there. But when your manager comes out and says that, then you're like, I don't have to worry about it. Ian Wright, Ian Wright, um, on his podcast uh, this week, he, he said something very similar. So he said during his time when he was at Arsenal, he just joined Arsenal, and the George Graham thing happened yeah. with with Bungs, and and basically it was became very obvious it's in, within the club. So all the players knew about it, 
um, and obviously ended up being sacked or whatever, but even leading up to him being sacked, it didn't affect them in terms of the players' performances. They just carried on, you know, they just carried on playing, you know, um, put in the performances that, as they normally would. So, yeah, from a player perspective, exactly, that's probably what you want to hear. You just want it to not affect you on the pitch, right? Mm. So... Can we talk about what on the pitch for for City? So we, we maybe if we spend ten minutes, we we've, we've had such a great conversation. We've almost hit the hour mark, but let's spend ten minutes actually talking about the game itself that we've got to look forward to on Wednesday. I mean, first up, Mize, has there been a bigger Arsenal Man City game in Premier League history thus far? Not that I can remember. Um, no, I don't think so. I think this is probably, yeah, Arsenal Man City. This must be the biggest one. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember anything riding on a previous one as much as this. But we've got two, two, two games against them coming two. up, haven't we? So it's yeah. like a Champions League knockout type thing, isn't it? Like, but I mean, you know, with with the way that teams are just dropping points all the time, Arsenal included, and City every now and again, you know. Uh, it, it's not like the big title deciding head to head that it was back in the days where it was like Arsenal United and, you know, Arsenal would win all their games generally. And so would United and it would just, it would be the true, true six pointer type thing. Or is it, or do you think that, you know, that, that what happens on Wednesday could be significant? Yeah, I think, I think it could be significant. I think, I think, especially for Arsenal, I think, like I said before, I touched on it, right? Man City could lose against us uh, on, on Wednesday, sorry, and the gap goes back to six points. Mm. But you're, that you, you still don't rule Man City out of winning the league because there's just such a big question mark and an unknown. There's just this unknown element about what do Arsenal do next week against Villa? What do Arsenal do in the run-in? What happens if Party gets injured? Whereas with Man City, you're not really asking those questions. You know what you're going to... Even if Man, even if Man City get... Sorry, even if we beat Man City on Wednesday, Man City probably still come back in the sense they go again. They're not going to give up on the title. So I think from an Arsenal perspective, it could... I'm not saying it's going to define where the title goes and you've got to include Man United in the conversation as well we can't forget about them but I think if Arsenal I think it I think it it will tell us a lot about Arsenal's credentials this season like I think we've done everything you know we, we've earned the right to be first and we've earned the right to have a lead against you know a points lead against City but I think this is now the crunch game where if we essentially don't show up if City come and really put a performance in a performance in at our ground and really dominate, then I think, you know, we're I think questions probably start getting asked internally, to be honest. Not questions as in directly, but I think the players themselves and you know, they'll probably start asking similar questions to what you were asking, Raj, and your reaction to Saturday. Whereas are we are we are we good enough to kind of last the next 15 or so games? Um, and hold off. Well, it's not even going to be holding off Man City. It's going to be keeping up with Man City and trying to probably overtake them at some point if if they come and come and beat us. So, I think this is like a real. It's it's a test, isn't it? You know, we've had tests this season so far. Tottenham to a certain extent, you know. But you know, you think about the Liverpool game that we won, the Man United game that we won, the Chelsea game that we won, you know, the Newcastle game. They they were all tests, but I think this is the test. Like this is the one where it's like, right, let's just you know, eleven against eleven. Let's this, you know, we we pip out, we put ourselves up against the best team in the league, or ha- that have been for the last few years, and we see where we are. You know, we see where we are against them. Everyone's talking about how how much Arsenal have improved, and they have, we have, but we haven't played City yet this season. And you know, the last time that we played them, 
in the league, I think new, well, not the last time, was it last time in the league? I think new year's last year, was it around that kind of time? So it's been a while, you know, we were, we, we, we matched them toe for toe, but old toe for toe, but ultimately, you know, they came out on top with a very late goal and like, I guess, yeah, I, I, yeah, so I think I think fundamentally, yeah, it's going to be. It could, I'm not saying it'll, it'll be decisive in terms of who wins the league, but I think it, sh- it will tell us a lot about this Arsenal team, and are we are we capable of of competing with City? And I think also a confidence thing as well. I think if Arsenal win the game, or even maybe even just get put in a good performance and get get a good result or get a, get a good draw, let's call it that. I think that then. Uh, confidence wise i think it, it it just it just it just helps a lot going into the into the next few games before we play them again because yeah losing is just going to be one point from nine as well that that's just going to be it's going to be a lot to then really hold city off for for the rest of the season yeah. i think it's going to become really really difficult aaron and after uh man city lost to tottenham I think that despite the fact that Arsenal lost to Everton, the feeling amongst um, the Arsenal fan base was probably quite optimistic around facing City at the Emirates. I think the feeling generally in the Arsenal fan base was, we, you know, yeah, like if we if we if we turn up, we could probably win. Um, after this weekend, it feels like the tone on social media anyway, it feels like the tone has sort of changed a little bit. Um, City have just beaten Aston Villa at home and, you know, Arsenal obviously you know, got the draw against Brentford. What do you think? How are you feeling going into it? Yeah, I think the real issue is more the trend because we haven't, you know, we haven't won in three games now if you include the City FA Cup game. And I think the worry is like, are we going to be able to, beat City playing the way we are now. Now, the reality is, like, the teams that we've played, forget the FA Cup game because that was a bit of a a bit of an anomaly, but the two teams that we've played since then have been really good defensive teams. And like I said earlier, they've probably tested our squad and our players and kind of exposed the limitations of our squad and the way we play. But actually, City aren't going to play that way. They're not going to sit deep. They're not going to, well, they might, but it's unlikely they're going to sit deep. And it's unlikely that we're going to like try and have all the ball and they're not going to just try and get a set piece against us. They're going to come and they're going to try and play football. And actually the players that we do have, actually, I think this is a game that actually probably suits someone like Eddie and Ketia. And this will be a game that where Granite Xhaka is probably going to be a bit more useful because he's going to be a bit more helpful in that transition rather than, you know, setting up a, against a low block when he's on the outside of the box and we need something more, where Xhaka shines is more on that kind of like moving the ball forward, helping us progress the ball, getting the ball out to players at Martinelli and Saka. And I think it's unlikely that City will double up on them. So I think that the, the worry there is like, actually, you know, I think there's two things, right? Number one is we as a team, we've struggled in the last few games that we haven't won in a while. But number two, this fan base just isn't we're not used to like we don't know how to handle a title race <laughs> like and the emotions of a title race no one knows how to react right like we like you said we beat city like my you say you think we still might struggle i think if we beat city or i think even if we lose to city i still think we've got a very good chance of still 
you know, actually maybe being second place for a while might be a good thing for this team. I don't know. Um, and we've all got very, very different opinions on being in this title race and this journey that we're on. So I think that's where the noise is coming from. Like the fact that we're not playing well and just this general, you know, the Arsenal fan phobia and that's the craziness <laughs> that we that the stuff that we've gone through we've been hurt in the past yeah like no one knows that like, we've just been like we've just gone through all sorts of crazy stuff and you know even now most fans still have to just like you know it takes a while to be like is this a title a title race arsenal team or are we still the mm. arsenal team scrapping for fourth place and we need to just see this through even if we finish second at least for our like fans, like fan mentality, we'll know that this is a team that's in a that was in a title race this season. Right. Mm. We we don't know that, right? Like this yeah, team yeah. haven't been in a title race. We don't know how to react. The players don't know how to react. So there's good things about that, but there's also bad things about that. And I think that's where a lot of the noise is actually coming from. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Mys, you know, before the Brentford game, there were calls to to from some parts of the fan base to maybe change the lineup a little bit. Namely, it was should Trossard start over Martinelli and maybe should Tommy Yasu come in for Ben White? I think those were the two big kind of um, potential swaps people were talking about. Trossard obviously got his opportunity to shine, scored his first goal for Arsenal. And I think has generally, has generally um, won a lot of fans over um, with the minutes that he's played thus far. Do you think there'll be any changes? Do you th- or, or would you, okay, let, let's not answer it th- that way. Would you like any changes or would you like to go with our tried and tested 11? I I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be averse to any changes. Like I wouldn't be averse to say Trossard starting, but I think what I think he'll go with and what I think I put, to be honest, I'd probably prefer is he goes with the tried and tested. I, like I said before, you know, this is, that's the team pretty much that have, have got us to where we are now in the league. And I think it's interesting because like, you know, the players that we're talking about mainly, I think if you're going to make a change, you're probably going to make the Trossard for Martinelli one because it's sort of less impactful, if that makes sense, like because it's an attacking change. Um, and you're, you're, you're essentially you're, you're tweaking this, the, the team to sort of almost with that player trying to offer you, or hopefully going to offer you something a little bit different. Um, I can't remember what the point I was going to make was, but yeah, like I think, no, I, th- I think he'll stick with the same team. And I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to kind of keep faith. Yeah. The thing I was going to say was just come back to me is I think with a player like Martinelli, even though the fact that he's been like, yeah, let's say out of form, not been in the best form. He's not, he's not kind of doing the things that we saw him do earlier on in the season, him and Saka as well. Like they're both just really, I've said this so many times before, they're very kind of, explosive unpredictable players and it only takes a moment like if you remember like the Liverpool game I think it was Marcelli scored in the first like few minutes just out of nowhere just out of nowhere and like he's that kind of player that offers you that um like the 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 unexpected you know he offers you a bit of a surprise and I don't necessarily think he's the kind of player that has to be in form to give you that. And I think that's probably why you go with Martinelli, that kind of X factor. He can take, you know, we know, we all know what his qualities are, but you know, he can, he can take a player on, um, he can beat a man, he can create something. He's got a bit of magic about him. And I think, you know, if we're talking about Trossard or him, I would probably just stick with Martinelli for that reason. Like, yeah. Um, and I think, I think if you're being honest, 
I mean, we haven't seen Trossard play in an Arsenal shirt much, obviously. But I think you'd probably still say Martinelli's a better player, like just attributes wise and and level wise. I think uh, that's my personal opinion. Anyway, I'd still I'd still say Martinelli's a better player. Maybe I'm a, I'm being a bit unfair to Trossard because he's just signed for us. So I think for those reasons, I'd still go with Martinelli. The 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 Ben White Tommy Yasu one's an interesting one. Again, like I touched on it before, do you want to change it for City? Like if you wanted to change it, I think you change it for Brentford or for Everton um, in the previous games. And you kind of give, you don't, like, I don't know if you'd want to, it's almost, it, I know he wouldn't be coming in cold as such, but it does feel like, you know, that's quite a big change to make um, for, for such a big game. And I don't think Ben White, I know Everton, there were a couple of times where he, on the half turn, he seemed to get done a little bit. I think there was that run by Anana where he just got outpaced um, in that game. But I think overall he's been, been pretty good. And I think Tomiyasu, like, I don't know. I, I just quite like the, the system that we have, the way that Ben White's kind of slot into that right back position. I think it's worked really, really well. And obviously, like, you know, in terms of his defensive abilities, you know, he's a solid player. And I think I'd just prefer to keep him in the team as well. So I think I'd go tried and tested personally. Yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. You know, Mufasa in the comments, thanks Mufasa for your for your comments, by the way. Um mentioning about Kiwi or we still haven't seen what Kiwi or is all about, right? I suppose, sorry, did he, did he play against City in the FA Cup? He didn't, he didn't. Um, so I was abroad then, wasn't I? So like, no, so we've not, we've not seen what he's got to offer. And uh, I imagine we'll only see what he has to offer when the Europa League games come. Uh, but um, Aaron, let's go to predictions. Aaron, what do you think is going to happen on Wednesday? Oh man. Uh, I think we, We'll get a draw. I can't see us winning. I just think City seem pretty confident. I think it will take us a little while to just come out of this little slump that we're in. Um, I think the only way we win is if, you know, literally I think everyone needs to have a good game. And I think so much depends on what Eddie and Katia does because, like I said, he wasn't, he hasn't been on it these last couple of games. But when he is on it, he has shown that he can at least come a little bit close to giving us what Gabriel Jesus gives us, but he has, it just seems like that has, that is him like at the top of his game. It just seems like he hasn't been on the top of his game lately. So yeah, I think, I think we'll struggle to be honest. I think I was, you know, half tempted to go to say we'll lose, but I'll try and be optimistic and say, we'll somehow get a draw. Nice. You you go next, Raj, because you you always go last. <laughs> <laughs> I um uh there was a part of me who was going to go with an Arsenal win three two because I thought it was just uh, you know we're going to we go for it. If, like I feel like if Arteta is going to do anything, he's going to go for it. Um, which which probably is just similar to how we play normally in some ways. But you know what? I've just got a really bad feeling about this game now. I feel like there's something that's just kind of something in the air i don't know what it what it is but i think partly with with the way that pep set up city today you know i think you pointed out mys before the game he he went with his big guns he basically brought all the big guns back and i wonder whether this is just some kind of genius squad management where he's almost tried to keep the hunger in some of these players by holding them back a little bit and dropping them and or 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 whatever and just kind of almost challenging them testing them and now before Arsenal, 
I, I wonder if he's kind of going right now and he's kind of just pulled the trigger and he's letting them loose and they're going to come into the Arsenal game now like they've played against Villa they've kind of you know they've almost had a chance to warm up if you like and I think they'll come out on that pitch a lot of those senior players and go we've we're going to show why we're so good we're going to show like why we're the why not only we should be starting in this team but why we've been champions so many times I, I wonder whether it's just going to be reflected on as a, a genius kind of period of squad management it may not be but um and on that basis i'm a bit worried mate so i'm actually going to go with a 3-1 city win oh wow yeah you started so optimistically and then yeah i know i know <laughs> i know i know i, know I did yeah. i did oh dear but um, I think it'll be I think it'll be like I think it'll be a game where I think it'll be one all at some point, right? I'm not I don't know who'll score for it, but I feel like it's gonna be one of those. It'll be we'll ch- try and chase the game as well. And I think they will just they'll just do it. It'll be some moments of quality, and I think they'll do it. But go on, mice. Yeah, I I I agree with you, Raj, to be honest. I think um I think we'll be in the game. And I think we'll put up a good fight, but I think ultimately, I think City quality is going to show through. It's just really annoying. We're coming into this off those two games. Like, if at least if we'd won one of them, let's say, mm. um, you know, it just would have made such a difference to to having a bit more of a points gap. It's just like pressure is really, really on now because they know if we if we lose the game, I assume they've got a better goal difference than us. I've not even looked. Yeah. So yeah. they they would go top, right? Um, and that's yeah. such a big motivator. If you're Pep. If you're in that dressing room, if you're in the city dressing room before the game, you're you, you, that's what you're saying, right? Win the game, you go top. But if you're in the Arsenal dressing room, it's like it's a different mentality now. It's like you know, you've got that in the back of your mind. So I'm 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 a bit fearful to be honest. I'm I think we'll we'll compete and I think we'll put in a good performance. But I think ultimately they'll just they'll show their quality. And yeah, like you say, the big guns are back. De Bruyne is back. Interesting to see what happens with Haaland. I'd, you know, not really sure what to make of what happened today and him getting taken off, but um, I'm sure he'll be there. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll be there starting. Um, and and also quite interesting, like Harland versus Saliba worries me a bit. Like Tony absolutely dominated him um, yesterday, especially aerially. And I know that's not how City play, but you see just how physical he is and how he just brushes defenders off. You know, he did it to Rob Holding last week. And I know that's Rob Holding. He did it to Callum Chambers today. And I know that's Callum Chambers, but ultimately he's been doing it to all defences all season. So that could be a big factor as well. So yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 City, unfortunately. What? So none yeah. of us have gone for an Arsenal win. Aaron, you're the most optimistic. I thought I was going to be pessimistic with a draw, but I thought you guys would go for a win. No. I mean, one thing, you know, the one thing I'll ask you guys before we drop off, I guess, is that just on that Harlan point wise, you know, like, so he went off at half time today. Um, now I'm undecided. That sounds mental given how talented he is. I'm undecided whether I'd want to play city with Harlan or without the reason why is because I feel like when city play Harland and they play with Harlan, they've, they've, they've almost got a very specific type. They've got like one way of playing almost with him, it feels like. And it feels like it's something that other teams have tried to counteract or whatever. But I've got awful memories playing against Man City without this kind of target man striker. Like I've got awful memories of their kind of 
you know, false nines and everyone's kind of running around everywhere and you've got no idea where, where people are. Like, I almost feel like having Haaland there would at least allow Arteta to have a, you know, come up with a, a, a good plan based on what these other teams have done. Um, but what do you guys think? Would you, would you rather he starts or rather, rather he didn't? I would rather he didn't. I mean, I think the thing is with Haaland is, yeah, you can stop him. But, I mean, he's got like 20 goals this season already. Like, that's just like whatever he, I don't know what he's on so far. But he, more often than not, gets it right. And that's what you get with Haaland is like, yeah, you, you do lose a bit when he's not on it. But the trade-off is that he's going to get you many, many goals. And the chances are, like, ultimately, like, would you, like, it's, I think sometimes you shouldn't overcomplicate it, is would you rather face Haaland or Alvarez? And I think you'd yeah. rather face Alvarez. I think if you, yeah, if you look at it from a Saliba Gabriel perspective, yeah. if you're, you know, yeah, I, I agree. You, you wouldn't really want it. You wouldn't look forward to the 90 minutes against Haaland. And so. yeah, like, yeah. But, and also like, yeah, City do play a different way. But the old way was actually reliant on players that they don't actually have anymore. Like they don't have a Gabriel Jesus to play the way they used to play. Yeah, it's true. They don't have a Zinchenko to play the, the way they used to play. Yes, they've got De Bruyne, um, but that Sterling isn't there anymore. So it does put a lot of pressure on Alvarez to play the way City used to play. And he could do it. He's, he seems very good and he seems like a very talented player. But I'd rather take my chances with Alvarez than, than Haaland. Yeah. Yeah, fair, that's fair. Absolutely more than fair. I think it's my bad memories just clouding clouding my judgment there. Um, I also think it's interesting. I think it might be good. I think it might be Pep trying to get in Arteta's head a little bit. You know, what kind of team am I going to set up? You know, and, and it's not very long to prepare for it, is it? But anyway, guys, one one hour, 21 minutes so far. I think we should call it a day there. Before you know it, before... Jeez. Um, I mean, before many people may have been able to get through one hour, 20 minutes of our podcast, we're going to be playing Man City. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it won't be, won't be long before we will know the, um, outcome of all of these various kind of pessimistic views that we've been putting across, but thank you for Mufasa in the comments saying that you'll think that Arsenal are going to go two one up and win. Um, thank you, mate. Um, right. I hope we all hope you're bloody right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on, mate. Um, all right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. And thank you, Mice. Thank you for going through the frustrations of uh, Brentford with me in person and here on the podcast. And um, yeah, man, I guess we're all very much looking forward to being there in person on Wednesday and and giving and contributing to the atmosphere as much as 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 we can. Um, Definitely. Cool, guys. Good night, and thank you everyone for joining. Cheers, boys. Yeah, bye. See you later. <laughs>